Welcome to another episode of Scores on the Doors. Yes, it's Saturday morning. Well, it's not when we record this, but it is Saturday morning when you're listening to this. And yeah, that means just one one thing. It's college football day. Uh, we <laughs> trudged through the week. We got through a Monday to Friday of, of no football. We had a Wednesday night NFL, which was a new thing for us. But we're back. Saturday, college football. Second last uh, week of regular season college football. Um, so... Yeah, let's time to get in some predictions. But before we just jump in, we are really fortunate to welcome our guest over from the West Coast. Uh, he's in LA. Uh, you might know him from, well, if you, should, if you don't, you should, Corn Crazed YouTube channel. If you like Big Ten, Nebraska football, or just college football, want to get to know more because, you know, a lot of our audience are guys and girls who are brand new to college football. You want to know more, want to see some great content. Go on Corn Crazed on YouTube. But we've got Connor, the the, the, the face of Corn Crazed. What's um, up, Nick? Thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and Connor's been fantastic and worked around his schedule to find a UK-friendly filming time. So we are indebted to you, Connor, for... Uh, yeah, I never, I never knew until you DM me on Instagram. Well, actually, you know when I first knew there was a UK Nebraska fan? When you reached out to me, because I was doing a little sticker giveaway to get people to subscribe to my YouTube channel, and you hit me up and said, can you send the stickers to the UK? And I thought, wow, that is awesome that there's a Nebraska fan out there all the way across the world. I was just going to go grab them before the start there, because I was like, I've got the stickers in here, the next, the next door in my bedroom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, really great content, guys. And I know how we're just trying to grow college football, you know, teach fans that there's more than just Alabama, there's more than just LSU. Um, there's some really great stories that we've come across. Well, that's the beauty of it. I want to touch on that really quick because I think a lot of people don't realize that, especially if you're looking at it from a broad perspective, you see Alabama, LSU, Texas, Ohio State, because those have the biggest fan bases. But the beauty of college football and what the NFL can't offer is there are so many smaller schools with so many different styles of play, different coaching strategies, different drama, right? If you go down to FAU last year, they had, uh, now I'm blanking. Oh, Lane Kiffin as their coach. And he was doing all kinds of little stunts to get uh, recruits onto campus. And now he's doing the same type of deal at Ole Miss. So it's fun to be able to get into all of these little storylines in college football. It's hard to do that when you're just looking at the broad, you know, Alabama's, Texas, Ohio State. So it's cool to see channels who are actually exploring the full scope of things. Mm. No, you're spot on. I mean, we're, we're trying to, I mean, we're, we're enjoying the ride of Coastal Carolina and BYU and Marshall this season. But, um, Believe it or not, there's some teams like, for example, Tristan is um, a Clemson fan, has been since just after Jacoby Ford was there. So we're talking like 2011. Um, yep. I'm Nebraska ever since I went to the University of Lincoln in the UK. So that's why I picked Nebraska. Um, and Suka's actually just uh, nailed his... his uh, Team. Or, n- nailed up, yeah. yeah. What's that phrase about nail, nail, nail your... 
So that's, I can't remember what the phrase is. But yeah, he's landed on the yeah. island. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I know, despite watching college football for the best part of a decade, never had a team. So I decided this time this year, I'm going to just root for a team now. I like that. And have any of you guys ever been to a college football game in the States? Never. Never. I'm telling you what, soon you're missing out because there is (laughs) no better experience than being in the stadium with between 50 and 100,000 people going crazy. You got kids partying, you got adults partying. It is a fun time and if i was going to tell a person who wasn't from here one experience they should experience when they're in the states it's to definitely go to a college football game there's nothing like it my parents i'm very jealous they were on like a five-week tour of america and they went to two games they went and saw jordan love in utah state last season against colorado state blowout horrible wet windy day but they'll never appreciate that they got to see jordan love um <laughs> And they went to Missouri Ole Miss as well in Columbia, um, which is again two. And again, my mum only knew Ole Miss because of the Blind Side and Michael Orr. So yeah, um, that's that's the only reason she knew Ole Miss. But yeah, no. One day I hope, hopefully, obviously, I wanted to be in Dublin. I think a few of us might have gone across to Dublin to see Nebraska play this yep. year, but who knows if that's going to go ahead? Fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. We never know. But uh, Connor, just quickly before we jump in, so you live on the West Coast uh, in LA, yep. Nebraska fan. How does that work? Yeah, you know, my mom and my whole family is from Nebraska, minus my dad's side. So I grew up in a split house. My dad was a big USC fan. He went to USC for school. My mom was from Nebraska. So I spent my summers, winters there in a small town in the northwest corner called Shadron. Uh, Shadron is famous for Shadron State College. So there was a football player there by the name of Danny Woodhead who played multiple seasons in the NFL. And Danny Woodhead went to that school. So Shadron was basically my second home growing up. After I spent all that time there, I just picked up all the Nebraska culture and became a huge Nebraska fan. So ever since. So I've just been dedicated to Nebraska and pushed USC to the side. Love it. Love it. Definitely the right decision. <laughs> um, and You're on that, hold on. I don't hear you. Talk. You can't hear me. We. I'll just talk continuously for a little bit to see. I'm gonna leave and come back in. Okay. I can't actually. I'll I'll listen back and I'll find out the point that it is so I can tell Stu to cut there. Yeah, that's fine. Around the ten minute mark of the Zoom call. Yeah, mine's not coming up with a time for some reason. So, but I'll. I've got time in the top corner. Cool. It's around the ten minute mark. Back. All right, I hear you now. That was weird. Awesome. Cool. So you caught everything I said? Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Then you can just pick up after there. Great. So we'll just pick up from there. That's fantastic, Connor. And no better place to start on this week's Scores in the Doors. Uh, I need a, I need a, a old-fashioned pen and paper to actually write down some of these scores. We'll start off with the greatest football team that's ever lived, Nebraska Cornhuskers, the one and three Nebraska Cornhuskers. One and four? Are we one and four now? One and four. One and four. Sorry. Um, at the Purdue Boilermakers, um, who are, pun, non, no pun intended, 
on and off the boil this season. Like they, they literally have kind of, they don't know what they want to be. Um, yeah, they, they look good in the beginning. And then last week losing to Rutgers now. Okay. Rutgers is a good football team this year. They didn't have their starting quarterback last week, but that performance by Johnny Langan and Arthur Sikowski was a testament to how good their coaching has been and how good it's going to be going forward. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that Purdue losing that game wasn't expected, but because it happened, people are starting to have some doubt about Purdue. Nebraska is only a two point dog in that game. I think if they would have beaten Rutgers, Nebraska would have been more like a five point dog. It's a home game for Purdue. Nebraska struggled with them over the last few years. I'm going to tell you my personal prediction. Nebraska goes in there with a dual QB system they really rattle Purdue and they pull out a five to seven point win. A five, a five, sorry, what a five, seven point. Five, oh. five to seven point. Yeah. So what, so unfortunately we go. You for, want an exact prediction. I, I actually do <laughs> want an exact prediction. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you 34 to 28 Nebraska. 34 to 28 Nebraska. Um, just on Nebraska, one thing. Is it is it is it McCaffrey time? Or are you still on the two no. a.m. team? No, 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 no. It's McCaffrey time is once two a.m. is gone, right? So Adrian has proven that he can throw the ball. There have been a lot of issues, and I don't know if it's coaching, if it's the O line, if receivers aren't getting open downfield. One thing I wish we could see is the game film, right? The game film would show us some different perspectives, some wider angles. It's hard to see when you're on TV which receiver's actually open and if there's a safety over the top who we might not account for, right? So we can blame Adrian and say, oh, you're missing reads. But he might actually be making good reads and the receiver might not be running good routes. Now, poor route running might be a testament to poor coaching, right? So there's a lot that we don't know about. But from last week, we saw Adrian go 18 of 20. He made very good decisions in most cases. There were a few places where he could have thrown balls to different receivers and not done little short dumps. But because of that throwing percentage, that was 90%, I really do believe that Adrian is fit to be the QB. He's the more mature leader, I think, in the group. Luke's a stud. Luke has a bright future at Nebraska. But his skills can be utilized in other positions. We could put him at running back, at receiver. Shit, I bet Luke could even play defense. (laughs) The point is, I think Adrian is meant to be the QB as long as he's there. If there was a QB who was significantly better or had more talent, yes, I would totally understand benching him. But Luke McCaffrey does not have the arm to replace an Adrian Martinez. No, no way. Luke, I like Luke McCaffrey. I think he might be even a he's, – he's a better scrambling quarterback than Martinez is. But the gap between how much I think – I think Luke's a little bit better than Adrian Russian. But I think Adrian's a lot better of a passer. And honestly, when I see Luke take the snaps, I genuinely feel like we're, we're almost lining up in the wildcat every single time. That's what it feels like to me. He, he takes the ball. And if, his, if, he's got, if he's got a read that he's going to throw it to, if that's not open, he doesn't even think about his second read. He goes, he runs. And that's, that's, a, that's the problem. I, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's quite at the level of Adrian of reading the field and... We're not, after so many losing seasons, we're not in a position where we can really just throw caution to the wind and just like try unique things with, with, with Luke. And then, but the problem no, also lies, so. I'll, finish, I'll, I'll finish with this, but the problem also lies, well, there's a, such, a, such a lack of talent in the wide receiver, in the wide receiver room. 
outside the freshmen, which are still getting limited snaps. Obviously, Marcus Fleming has decided to walk off the course. Um, there's a few guys, Ronald Delancey. I know of a few guys, personally, some of the freshmen who you've not seen around the team who are also going to opt out as well. There's, there's more than that. There's, there's at least two more, I think, that haven't been named yet. You think yet. there's two more? I know there's one more. You're confident. You know, what do you, when you say you know... You know you're 100%. You've talked to someone in the room. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so you know there's one more freshman who's going to be out. Uh-huh. And what do, you, what do you think the reason for these guys leaving is? And, and by the way, I did, not, I did not say it was a receiver. I didn't say it was a receiver. I just yeah, you just said it was a freshman. It's a freshman. Yeah, it's a freshman. Uh, yeah. Um, just because there's a lot of frustration going on at the moment. Um, I can't get into it too much because we've got nine other games to talk to. Um, but we can talk about another time. But yeah, there's frustration that the the freshmen aren't getting a go, and there's four star freshmen across the board that are not getting on in the place of three star seniors or walk on seniors and stuff like that. And you know, I mean, if I I feel for guys like Marcus Fleming and stuff like that because we've got transfers like Oliver Martin coming in and getting snaps and like. Why did you go and recruit these guys like Martin? Like, I don't know what's going on with Manning, um, whether he's injured or not, um, to not to not then play them straight away. Um, well, Nick, I, I'm going to jump in right here. So, Nick, I played high school football for a state champion and top five nationally ranked team in high school. I also played junior college football and I spent my whole life, my whole life around football. A lot of my friends play in the NFL. So from my experience, Freshmen in D1 typically do not see the field. It is extremely rare. And in 2020, it's becoming a lot more common because a lot of guys are getting a lot of good training throughout high school. Parents are spending money when they're young kids, getting them trained the right way, giving them a different knowledge that most of us wouldn't have had back in the 90s when we were growing up, right? It's a different time for sure. But the expectation has now become, if I don't play right away, I'm out because there's somewhere that will let me play right away. I don't entirely agree with that. I think that you come into a school, you learn the system, you learn how to be a leader, you gain weight, you become a better player, then you take the chances to get on the field. Oliver Martin is a junior. He's been playing for two seasons, even though it wasn't Nebraska. He's been at other schools developing his skills, developing his body. Now, I'm not saying Marcus Fleming, because Marcus Fleming was a great freshman. He came in, he had a five reception game against Northwestern for over 70 yards. But for the average freshman who comes in, they can't expect to come to a school, especially in the Big Ten, and just say, I'm here to play right now. That's not how this works. Mm. It's true. It's true. Um, there's a pecking order, you know, seniority rules. It's true. Um, it's just one of those situations, a fan, where you watch it and go, the seniors aren't very good, but we'll play them for the rest of the season because they're seniors. And that's that balance that you've got to try and find, which I'm not sure if we have yet. Well, um, in the running back room, in the running back room, you have a, a freshman in Marvin Scott who is essentially starting now. Mm. That's a freshman, a true freshman. In the receiver room, I see multiple freshmen on the field with Alante Brown, Xavier Betts, even on the offensive line, a position where I don't believe freshmen should ever be because they are not fit to be there size-wise yet. We mm. have multiple freshmen and redshirt freshmen on the line. So it's tough. I think Scott Frost has done a very good job balancing that. Yeah. I so think for a player to complain, I don't know why the players are complaining when Scott Frost is proving that he's going to play the best available player. It might be a maturity issue. And if I'm going to say personally my opinion on it, 
I think there was a maturity issue with Marcus Fleming and uh, Ronald Valancey. Oh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. It's just one of those things that there's, I look at the wider, it's, just, it's one of those things you look at how much talent there is between some guys and the talent that's starting. And I just think that none of these guys are going to get picked up in the NFL, like not even close. Like yep. Levi Falk and uh, Cade Warner, they're not, they're like, their, their career ends next, in two weeks' time, or, or if they can come back, I don't know, um, with the whole system at the moment. But back to this game, uh, I'm, I never go against Nebraska. I've, never, I've only gone against them once this season against Ohio State. Why? Why do I never go against Because I just physically can't. As, we got to like, be realistic. We got to be realistic. <laughs> Is there a chance that you think Nebraska loses this game? Of course. There's an, okay, equal, there's an equal to greater chance, in my opinion, Purdue loses this game. I, and I agree. And that's, and, that's, and that's why, look, I, you know, in a, for the sake of it's not, we don't, I mean, this is fairly serious. It is serious. But there's not a game since Ohio State where I've not thought Nebraska have a chance of, a good chance of winning if the, if the, the right Nebraska team turns up. And so I'm not going to go and think Nebraska aren't going to turn up because I miss, they did against Penn State. They did against Ohio State for most of the game. So, so yeah, but to me, it's, it's a field goal game. Um, you know, Purdue, Purdue again, I don't, I don't know what to make of them. I really don't. They've got Rondon Moore's come back and he's not done loads. I mean, um, they've got that nice receiver. In he's had a couple of games, though. I know, I know, but like if Rondon Moore's going to be a first round draft pick, which is what he wants to be, you want to see him with receivers. You want to see them getting a hundred easy every game. Yeah, guy's he... been injured, man. Guy's been injured. It's not as if he was out due to COVID or anything like that. He's had he's had a serious injury, so he's had to come back from that. You know. Yeah, I he... give him credit for playing a lot of a lot of these wide receivers. You know, you got your Rashad Batemans and all these other receivers. They've uh, They've decided to, you know, jump ship and, and forget about it. At least Rondell's still here, you know? I agree with that statement. So I'm going to throw out 27-24 Nebraska. I think, it's, again, field goal game. I can't really go much more than that because Nebraska have shown me a lot in some capacities and not shown me much. I am impressed with the defense this season. Um, there's some really nice players on that defense. Uh, Luke Rhyme is playing well. Uh, D-line's doing pretty well. You know, if it's not going to be Rogers, Casey Rogers, it's going to be Stilly. It's not going to be Stilly. It's going to be Robinson getting you. You know, they, they interchange. They do pretty well. But yeah, 27-24. I want to hear what Tristan has to say about this game. I think it's going to be a closer game than some people think. I think Nebraska don't know their identity on offense yet. I think, I think Scott Frost is still in the early stages of trying to build a new culture in Nebraska, I think you've got to keep him for the long haul. I think you need to see this process through because he's a very, very good coach. I think he's still got leftovers from the previous regime in, you know, in players that are more seniors. And I know you want to always play your own guys, but you can't just start playing the freshmen that you've recruited because then your older players aren't going to stay around for senior season. So you've got to balance that all out. So I think Nebraska are sort of a team in flux and, Things can only really get better from this season. Um, I think Adrian Martinez needs to start. And I have Luke McCaffrey at bits, but I don't think he offers anything as a passer yet. I think he needs to develop as a passer. He, he still can't read the field. He still makes sloppy mistakes. Turnovers are a bit of an issue. I think he just needs some time to sit, learn a bit more of the game, and maybe bring him for some wildcat situations. But 
I think Nebraska are putting in the game too much. Um, but these are two teams that I don't think will. I don't think either team will be, you know, blowing the other one out. I think it will be a close, narrow sort of old-style Big Ten game. I've got it being a field goal game. Almost went Nebraska, but I just think this year the way things are going for you are going to edge it. I've got it twenty-four twenty-one. Okay. Suk, which way do you fall on the side of the coin here? <laughs> I'm probably not going to surprise you, Nick. Um, no. But I'm, I'm going for Purdue. Um, I just can't see where Nebraska are going to get points on the board. Like, you know, we talked about Martinez last week, you know, having a good game, an accurate game. But at the same time, those points weren't there. I mean, I don't think he threw for any sort of touchdowns, uh, passes. So I think I can see Purdue, um, you know, with their wide receiver combo. Not only you got Rondell Moore, but you've got uh, David Bell as well. Um, I think he's a you know an excellent prospect. So I've got it a close game, um, but I've got it twenty six twenty to Purdue. Twenty six twenty. So it's, we're all in yeah. about that ballpark that it's going to be a touchdown game. But uh, so Rutgers beat this. Rutgers beat Purdue last week, right? Yeah, but yeah. Rutgers is a good football team. The where do you think Noah Vedral would rank if he was back at Nebraska? Would he be quarterback number two? Do you have him ahead of Luke McCaffrey? Uh, I think he'd be battling as quarterback two with McCaffrey. After McCaffrey's showings with the poor arm, I would say that Vedral would probably be above him. But Vedral yeah. had some bad decision-making last year, and I don't know if the Rutgers staff made him a better football player or mm. if he just enhanced as a better and became a better football player. So mm. it's tough to say. I think that he left – for a good reason, because it looked like uh, Luke was going to take over eventually. But regardless, I'm very happy that Vedral is now having an opportunity to be successful at Rutgers, because Rutgers needed someone like him to take over and lead that. Mm. I can't remember who it was, but there was some pundit or ex-pundit, I don't know who it was, I saw it on Instagram, who says that they still think that Texas A&M and Florida are better than Ohio State right now, which takes us me takes me nicely All onto right. the Buckeyes back on the field this week. Off to Michigan State, we've got a huge win, uh, knocking off Northwestern. Right? Um, yeah. Yep. Does the lightning strike twice for the Spartans, or is this gonna uh, gonna be a, a Buckeye uh, rollover essentially? If they were looking for lightning to strike twice, this would be the week. You've got a bunch of Buckeyes who are going to be sitting out. They have not listed who, but there are a bunch of guys who have either tested positive for COVID or have been around it, so they're not going to play. Ryan Day won't be coaching that game. It's a road game at Michigan State. Now, Michigan State's had a terrible year outside of a couple wins over Michigan and that Northwestern upset. But if there was going to be a time for lightning to strike twice, it would be this game. Ohio State's a 23-point favorite. I don't know if I like them to win by 23. I know that they have to go out and make a statement this week because if they don't make a statement, there's a potential that they're going to miss the Big Ten Championship. And if they miss the Big Ten Championship, they might not have a chance to get into the playoff, right? There's a lot of weird stuff going on with that. I think for them, if they get the chance to play, they're going to go in here and try and blow out Michigan State. But will it be enough? I think they beat Michigan State, but I only think they beat Michigan State by 14. So I'll say they win 38 to 24. Very nice. Sook deep. Um, I've gone way above on the point. So I've gone 45-10. 
literally because of what Connor said about the statement game. They need to they need to ensure that they get in, you know, the championship game or at least are considered for, you know, playoff contention because obviously if they miss any more games, then, you know, they're going to be in a very difficult situation. I can't see the NCAA sort of making any sort of changes, um, you know, rapidly uh, to benefit Ohio State. So I think they're going to go all out and try and get as many points on the board. Um, I can't see Fields having a bad a game as he had against, uh, was against Indiana, um, where it was just so uncharacteristic of him, wasn't it? Um, Mm, but I think this time they, they sort themselves out and they win quite comfortably. So I've got 35-point difference, 45-10. Uh, wow. Wow. Tristan? I would have gone similar to Sook if it wasn't. Like Connor mentioned, there's going to be Ohio players, Ohio, yeah, Ohio State players sitting. We don't know what the state of the COVID situation is there. Who's going to be in or out? That's probably not going to be known for another day or so yet. Um, Michigan State last week against Northwestern I don't think they really beat Northwestern I think Northwestern beat themselves with just sloppy mm-hmm. defence um, I don't again I've got Ohio State winning I just think even if there's players sitting for Ohio State their backups are going to be more competent than Michigan State starters but again a bit like Connor I'm not going for quite the you know the you know, Ohio State putting 40 to 50 points on the board. I've got them winning comfortably, but I think it's more of a 35-14. I think Michigan State will do a bit like they did last week, capitalise on a few mistakes with some of these backups being in the game. But I think Ohio State still have enough talent, you know, in their second string to just push them over the top. Yeah, I'll, I'll finish it off by saying I've got this as 38-13 Ohio State. And the reason why is that Michigan State have played two good good teams this year and they looked like they looked like varsity football against college football like it looked it was ridiculous Indiana they played the, the two good teams they played this year Indiana and Iowa they put up seven points combined so i don't know to me if ohio state start quick it'll they'll run away with it and I don't even know why, where I think they're going to get 13 points from. I mean, Rocky Lombardi only completed 12 passes last week. You know, like, it, that, that was, a, as he said, Northwestern beat themselves. They 100% beat themselves. Michigan State just had to turn up and not be terrible, and they were going to win that game. You know, so I'm, I'm going to go 38-13. I think Ohio State, I'm, I'm banking on Ohio State starting quickly. Michigan State just going, oh, you know what? This by by the midway through the second quarter, the game's beyond them, and they just kind of let go of the reins. Or what what was still there? Um, if if they can keep it competitive going the second quarter, then you know. But it all it's it's all about whether Michigan State can score points, because we know Ohio State are going to run up the score. Whether Michigan State can kind of go blow for blow for them, blow to blow for blow with them, um, and once they once that two score opens I just think that they'll just Ohio State will just run away with it a little bit so yeah that's why I've gone 38-13 to the one team that Nebraska have beat this year Penn State they finally got on the board with a win uh, last week Um, and as a result they go to Rutgers who Connor's just said is he believes is a pretty good team this season Um, do this is a tough one. Which No, it's not a tough one. This is a very oh, easy one. Not. Penn State just beat 
one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. The only team better than Michigan in the Big Ten is or the only team worse than is potentially Nebraska. So Michigan had Cade McNamara and Joe Milton splitting time last week. I don't know why Joe Milton touched the field, but Penn State benefited from that greatly. Uh, I don't remember what the final score was, but they definitely won by at least 10 points, I think. 10, yeah, 27. And it was essentially dominating. Yeah, it was dominating fashion. The score didn't reflect what really happened in that game. Penn State dominated Michigan. This week's going to be a different story, though, because Rutgers doesn't have their starting quarterback again. They don't think Bedrill's going to be playing. showed that it's not about Bedrill. It's about their scheme, because with those two QBs, Langan and Sitkowski, those guys were able to successfully navigate a win on the road to a good Purdue team. For some reason, Las Vegas does not agree with me, and they're giving Rutgers 11 points. Now, I'm a betting man. So I'm betting that all day. That's my lock of the week that they're not going to lose by more than 10. I would say that Rutgers outright wins this one. Penn State did find some mojo last week. They got some confidence. Sean Clifford played better. Their defense played better. But they played against very low competition. Rutgers is 1-0 against Penn State in the pandemic. In 1918, when they had whatever flu, Rutgers won that game. And in 2020, with COVID-19, Rutgers will win this one. I would say they win 38 to 31. A high-scoring game does very much make sense. Uh, Tristan, I'll go to you next. I very much agree with Connor. I, I, I think if you look at the two programs, like there's a bit more of a buzz in Rutgers. You know, Graciani's back, you know, are they getting back to the glory days when he had them playing really well? I think Penn State are just wishing this year was over already. James Franklin, you know, he can't afford being preseason ranked, you know, in the top 10 that he'd be coaching a one and five, you know, team going into Rutgers. And I think Penn State will be nervous because they need to win this game. And I don't think Rutgers will be nervous at all. I think Rutgers will, they, people don't expect them to win. And I think they go out and win. I think they go out and play well. I've got them beating Penn State 31-17. I, I think Penn State will make mistakes. I think Rutgers will capitalise on that. And I, I just don't have any faith in Penn State to play good football for four quarters. And 31, I think 31-17, did you say? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if you... Well, sorry, I said you don't know if you know. Connor, you won't know this, that... You are playing for team guests. So we have a scoring system. Okay. And, um, you know, each week it's kind of, you know, the four of us against each other, who comes top. But um, and I'll t- I'll t- after the show, I'll tell you how the scoring system works. Um, but ultimately, on a, on a season-long thing, you're playing for team, team guests, which has included some local guys here. It's included uh, some former college players, some former NFL players. Um, and guest team guests are joint at the top at the moment with 88 points joined with Sukhdeep here. And then Tristan and I are joined, weirdly, on 72 points. There's only two weeks left. I, I think we're going to do bowl games. We'll see how it works. We are. we are doing bowl games. I need to pull something out of the bag, and the only way I can seem to get a bit of shift in points is by looking for the games which I think are particularly close, not when Nebraska's concerned, and going the other way. 
And that is exactly what I'm going to do here. Um, you might be more convinced in Rutgers. I mean, I'm not convinced in Penn State. That's why I'm not going to argue in their favour. I'm going to favour more that I'm less convinced in Rutgers. And then, although, yes, they've had a couple of nice wins, they've also had a couple of bad losses. Yes, they've been competitive, but, you know, they lost to Michigan, ultimately, the worst team in, in the Big Ten. You know, they, 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 uh, they lost to Illinois, who are, again, we made them look, as Nebraska, better than they are. And so I think, yeah, I don't think it's an 11-point Penn State favourite. I think that's, that's naive. But I think this one could even go to overtime. I think that's the kind of game it could be. So that's what I'm going to bank on. Not that you get any extra points for it being an overtime game. And I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a touchdown Penn State win. Um, I don't know why I've got belief in them. I don't really. I don't, I don't know either. But Vegas does. Um, so me and Vegas against the world. I'm going to go the same score as you, but reverse it and go 38-31 Penn State. And I've been laughed at for some of my decisions this week, this season, and they've been about 50-50 uh, come off and and not. But that's usually just when I'm predicting Nebraska, because as I said, I'm pretty wrong pretty much every week. <laughs> so, I know you're going to go a clean sweep, sweep Rutgers, because whenever I do this, everyone else, everyone goes against me. Is that right? Nick, you're going you're gonna to be really surprised. You're going to be really surprised. As much as I love, well, I don't love Greg Shiano, being a former, well, obviously being a Bucks fan and him being a former Bucks coach, um, I, I've, my heart thinks Penn State's going to do this. I think they're going to be on a bit of a nice roller coaster after that win. It, that's all it takes. One win just breeds a new set of confidence uh, to a team. So I've got it a really close game, though. I've got it 28-24. Um, that might surprise a few because I know Rutgers have scored a lot of points this year, but I just get the feeling Penn State are going are gonna to do it this time. Interesting. Uh, Michael Penix, Jr., has been having a fantastic season, but it's over ACL injury, nasty ACL injury that we spoke to um, spoke spoke about on the podcast this week. Quite a, a shame, one we wasn't really even touched. He kind of did it as he was coming off the side of the field on that play. Um, but Indiana, they stuck through it and won last weekend. Different beast going to Wisconsin. Um, how Connor? How do you think? The Hoosiers fair on the road at the oh. bench after what's happened. After we're talking about the ACL injury, mm. that's all that's happened. And their backup quarterback's name is Jack Tuttle, four-star recruit. I think he's from Utah. He is not a joke of a quarterback. This isn't the old Indiana. This is the new Indiana. This is the Tom Allen defense Indiana. And just like my friend Jake Freud said, Indiana is going to make a run. Indiana is going to beat Wisconsin this weekend. They're a 14-and-a-half-point dog, which is absurd. Northwestern, Northwestern, who just lost to Michigan State, beat this Wisconsin team. And to try and say that Northwestern has a better defense than Indiana is absurd. I do think Wisconsin will score more than seven points on Indiana. Do not get me wrong. But Indiana as a 14.5 point underdog is ridiculous. This is an overtime type of game. I could see this being 28 to 26 Indiana. 
that's that's tight i mean like that's that's like super tight um and i think this is definitely the, the game of the weekend um in the big 10 because I, if anything i think if i no i'm going to go to soup deep first i'm going to try and think about what i want to say yeah, in all honesty, I, I'm not going to profess to say I know much about Turtle, the quarterback. You know, um, obviously, Penix is a massive loss. So I had it down as Wisconsin winning quite comfortably. Um, I appreciate Indiana and their defense, you know, making a lot of waves this season. You know, have that shutout win against uh, Michigan State. Um, you know, even Maryland, you know, their offense is pretty decent and they, you know, only let in 11 points. I've got Wisconsin winning this though. Um, I've got it. I think Indiana will get about 13 points. Um, might be completely wrong here, but I'm going uh, 24-13 to Wisconsin. Can I just say one thing, Connor? I, I think you. I mean, you you love your your gambling guy, but I don't. How how well do you do it uh, in Vegas on the tables? Because I wonder if it's better than your poker face. When you hear a result, because you I, wanted- I watched, I watched you on the first week one when Jake Freud said about how great Indiana, Indiana best college football team of all time now. Do you know what I mean? He really, he really, and honestly, your face with the whole thing was like, no, no, come on, really? But you're, but you're on the believe- bandwagon, and if you if you believe that, then you must really, really, really rate this Hoosiers team. Well, I'll tell you what, I rode with the Hoosiers week one with Jake against Penn State. And I've ridden with them the entire way through for this whole season. Last week, college football, I was 7-1. and one. The week before that, I was 6-0. and oh. Weeks, I bet Indiana. I believe now that Indiana is as good as advertised. They lost to Ohio State by 7. Ohio State, in my opinion, is still one of the top two teams in the country, right? I don't know if that means they're better than a Clemson or an Alabama, but I do believe they're up there with one of those two, and I think they're going to be in the final. Indiana has proven uh, to be a dominant force on defense. And when you look at their receivers, just look at Watt, Billier, and now I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Their outside receiver, Fry Fogel. Both of those guys are potential NFL players. They've got Stevie Scott, who's a man among men. That guy's like 6'2", 235. They have a real football team over there, and Tom Allen is a real coach, something I wish that Scott Frost could inspire in the Nebraska team. Maybe it's me being jealous. Maybe it's me having hope that one day we can be the Indiana of the Big Ten West. Mm. But what I do know is Indiana is for real now. They have a real quarterback. This isn't some bum three-star walk-on. This is the next guy who's going to take someone like Michael Penix Jr.'s place. So they're ready for a run to finish this season off with maybe two losses. Mm. Okay. I'm not just doing this because he out of the blue sided with me, but – I treat this like my money's on it and old habits die fast and I know it's like it's like I know we're in a new kind of era but the 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 person inside me who's watched Big Ten football for the last oh to be fair only last like six years can't 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 let myself say oh yeah Indiana are gonna walk into Wisconsin and win and you know what I mean by that because if, if before this season, would you have ever? I mean, this is the point. This is the teams change so quickly, so you would never ever have Indiana walking into Wisconsin and winning. Like that's just a crazy thought. Obviously, now it's very realistic, 
and you know but possibly the the more predicted result Wisconsin only played three games this season they've blown out two teams and they've lost one to maybe the only good team they've played so the arguments are there but Indiana Indiana we're talking about their great receivers they did not they did not pass well at all against Maryland you know they had no receiver go for more than 39 yards um and and Wisconsin I can't even think of who their good defensive players are but I just always think about the wheel of good talent they have on defense they have really good DBs this year they have a very strong defensive backfield okay so if this was in Indiana I'll, I'll be I'll be straight with you if this is in Indiana I go a narrow Indiana win this is in Wisconsin I go a narrow Wisconsin win that's the only swing for me I'm I'm going to go 30-27 to Wisconsin. It's going to be close. I think it's the game of the weekend to watch in the Big Ten. For yeah. Sure. But I am going to side with Wisconsin, but not by much. Tristan, which way do you go on this? Like you, Nick, I'm sticking with old habits too. I rode with them to beat Ohio State. I'm going to go with them again. I think Freifogel's a man amongst boys. I think as much as Wisconsin has some good DBs, he just seems a nice... If you want to try and cover him man for man, he's just going to beat anyone. He has freaky size and strength. And that defense will do enough to get the job done, I think. I, I believe in Indiana. I was, it was when they beat Penn State, and I sort of went... This is there's always a team in every conference that has a big win early on and they just manage to carry on and have a, a season not many people expect. I've got Indiana winning this 28-17. 28-17. Oh, you've gone against Wisconsin. Wow. Did you, did you also think when he was talking there for the first part, he was talking about a Wisconsin win and then all of a sudden yeah, that's what he started I thought. to yeah, shift? That, that, yeah. no, I, 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 thought, I thought you were going with us. and then No, I backed Indiana to beat Ohio State. I genuinely think they're a really talented football team. Yeah, but you've also them. bigged up uh, Wisconsin throughout the during our time in this podcast, you know, um, but obviously saying I, they're better than Ohio State. I genuinely thought that after those opening games and then I saw the stinker they played against Northwestern and just went, actually, what I thought about this team in a small sample size was absolutely wrong. Three games. <laughs> now, two teams. What These two teams that we're going to talk about now, what have they got in common? We'll start with I, and they've both broke my heart so far this season. Iowa at Illinois. Um, I'm going to go reverse it. Tristan, I want you off the bat. Uh, Hawkeyes at Fighting Illini. Well, Illini. Oh, I never know how you pronounce it over there. Oh, uh, Illini. Uh, uh, Il, Illini. Illini. Fighting Illini. Illini. Uh, Tristan, I want your opinions first. Uh, I think Iowa are a good team. I think Illinois. Oh, I still can't just get over the fact that I. I, I I don't think Illinois are a good football team. I just there's something about them. I just I can't I can't go right. That's a good offense that will get them through games, or that's a really good defense that will keep them in games. I just I don't see either one of those. Um, I'm probably going to play this a little safe, just because I've not watched enough Iowa. 
I've only seen a couple of games this year, but 31-21 is probably where I'm going to go. Really, this. That's really close to mine. And I think I, I think what, the get it. What's yours, Sukti, then? So, I got 31-20 uh, to Iowa. Um, I like Iowa's uh, running game. I like uh, Sargent, is it? Um, yeah. I think he's uh, I think he's a really good back. I think, you know, they're going to run over this defense. Illinois, you know, yeah, I, I just see Iowa winning it, to be honest. Um, I would say this is a Nebraska fan, but I think we would have looked at a very different game between Nebraska and Illinois if the right freaking call had been made on that first drive by Nebraska when the ball clearly went half a yard forward and Illinois scored a touchdown off the fumble as I'm doing my air quotes um, when it was clearly an incomplete pass and then Nebraska had to chase a game which Nebraska never usually do too well chasing a game so to me that's a that's a fake win against Nebraska. Like that that wouldn't have like if Nebraska had a because if Nebraska had have charged down the field and scored just like they did against Nick State, like they did against Nick, come on, let's be real as Nebraska fans. No Illinois <laughs> outplayed Nebraska that game. Nebraska looked like a complete and utter embarrassment in their all black uniforms, which I love by the way, but they looked like an embarrassment. Illinois was the better team that day. There they, they were penalties been- and there were missed calls. There is no question. That missed fumble call was huge. It might have changed the score of the game by a touchdown or so. But it does not mean Nebraska should not have lost by at least two touchdowns. That was a good Illinois team that day. I just think that the the way it took the air out of Nebraska and lifted that team up to get a turnover on, what, the second play of the game or whatever it was? Yep, it was the second play of the game. I don't know. I I just can't undersell how much I think that has a huge effect on the team. Hence why my point is that, yeah, Illinois did play well that day. From that point, I really thought Nebraska were going to go down the field, match them, which they actually did, didn't they? But then but then just eventually just eclipse them where maybe Illinois would get a field goal, Nebraska would get a touchdown, and the rest would be history. But they didn't, in their credit. But I still don't think they're a very good team. Just like I don't really think that Rutgers might be a, a better team than they were and what we know Rutgers to be, but I still don't think they're a good team. So I, I, I've got a similar score to Suck, but I've got 34-20 to Iowa. Um, Iowa bounced bounce back well and truly since that first week where they were terrible. Um, yeah, Iowa's not terrible um, anymore. No, They aren't terrible, but they aren't great either. Iowa's not as good as they were last year. Uh, Petrus, their quarterback, isn't as good as their quarterbacks have passed. So I think I and their run game isn't as good. Their defense isn't as good. I mean, okay, Iowa is a good football team, but we're leaving them in top 40 of college football, not 25 of college football. Because of that, I think that Illinois is playing inspired right now. They had to miss that game last week against Ohio State, which gave them some time to rest, gave them some time to think on their big win against Nebraska. Nebraska's not a joke of a team. They're not a good team, but they're not a joke of a team. So for them to have that type of confidence going to this Iowa game, I think it'll be a close game. I'm going to say Iowa wins it, but Iowa only wins by four. I'll say 24 to 20, Iowa. You know, genuinely, um, 
even though it was a much, even though technically Iowa, Nebraska had the ball with the opportunity to go down the field, score a touchdown and win the game against Iowa. I felt less like Nebraska had a chance to win that game against Iowa than I did against Illinois. I genuinely mean it. I genuinely feel like Illinois played well and I just think that I just felt like Iowa were always just a little bit better and are a little bit better than a team than Nebraska, whereas I don't think Nebraska are a worse team than Illinois. Maybe that's the kind of belief that I had that, no, we can pull this back. Whereas Iowa, I could tell by half time, Iowa, even though we pulled it back to level, Iowa just a better team than Nebraska. That's truth. And the right, the better team won the game. Not saying that's massively the better team on the day, but they're a better team. So, but we've all gone Iowa on this one. Um, Nick, that sounded like a counselling session to me. Which one? Which part? You just it? talking there. It sounded like you were in counselling talking about Nebraska. <laughs> well, it drives you to it drives you to insanity sometimes. It really does. Um, right, we're going to get you out of your comfort zone, Connor, now and leave the Big Ten. Gasp, shock from around the around the room. But also, you probably still know more about other, <laughs> about other conferences than we do. <laughs> um, but we're going to start it pretty. We're going to start it pretty easy, and and which would have been is a huge classic game. Unfortunately, it's not the game that many college fans would want to watch these days. Alabama at LSU. Um, Suk, I'll let you uh-huh. start. Um, Nick Saban's a winner, and he's going to. Even though obviously Alabama were not involved in the playoffs last year, I think part of him is going to get great satisfaction out of beating sort of the current champs. Um, and I don't think he's going to let up at any point in this game. I just literally think he's going out there to try and destroy them as much as possible, humiliate them, embarrass them. So I'm just trying to think how many points. LSU are going to get 10 points, oh, and that is it. Don't go the same um, as me then. I'm going to go 52. Okay. I wrote mine down just in case. Okay. okay. So just, just there. Yeah, 42.10 is what I've got. 52 for you. Um, Connor, do you watch much SEC football? Yeah, you know, I went to the Alabama LSU game last year in Tuscaloosa, which was one of the oh. best games I've ever been to. It was actually Joe Burrow beating Tua. It was a great game. So my thought on this is very simple. It's a rivalry, a huge rivalry. LSU is no good, but LSU will score 17 points. I think that Alabama will play hard, but the LSU defense will do something. They have the former coach, Bo Pelini, there uh, as their defensive coordinator. I'm going to say this is a 38 to 17 point win for Alabama. 38-17. It's funny you should mention Bo Pelini because when we did LS, we did scores on the doors with, you know, uh, Jeremiah Sills. Um, he did the very first week um, with us. And uh, yeah, he was talking about Coach Bo a little bit and how he, he fears for a horrible season in store for LSU. And that's exactly what it's been. Um, Tristan, finish us off. Yeah, this banner defense has improved week where we save has got them, you know, playing that normal Alabama defence we're used to. I agree with you guys. LSU only getting 10 points. I just think LSU offensively are very bad. 
and I got it 45-10. I think it will look closer at the half, and I just think Alabama will run away a bit late just because they've got track stars all over the field that will just blow the game open when LSU's defense get a little bit tired, and I think they'll pile on the points late. It will look close at the half. I think the second half, Alabama will run away with it, 45-10. From one team in Alabama to the other, uh, on the back of so we've just talked about the winners of the Iron Bowl. Now we're going to talk about the losers of the Iron Bowl. Auburn, they host Texas A&M. Uh, Tristan, is there any chance that any chance that Auburn bounce back and cause an upset against the Aggies? I don't think so. I, I just think A&M are a better team than Auburn. I think A&M's defense is improving. I think Isaiah Spiller is such a talented running back. Auburn depend on what Bo Nix turns up whether he can, you know, just stop looking at Seth Williams in a game, that's when he tends to get a little bit like, if he only wants that first read to his big star wide receiver and nothing else more from there, he looks to struggle. Um, and I think the Aggies will do enough. I, I don't think it will be, I don't think it will be a blowout. I don't think it will be, um, you know, I think it will be a closer game. I think Auburn will be in it. 31-27 for me. 31-27. Um, I've got it slightly bigger score, but I think it's going to be quite an uncompetitive one. But with A&M just that little bit ahead, Kellen Mond is having a nice season, to be honest. I think he's he's doing pretty well for um, A&M. He's really uh, he's impressed me this season in a year that a lot of quarterbacks who previously haven't. He's. I mean, to be fair, he was rubbish against LSU. I'll be honest, he was bad in that game. Um, what did he complete? Like 33% of his passes are terrible. But overall, he's looked pretty good. And if it doesn't work for him, they run it with Spiller. Yo, guys, guys, I have a quick work call. I have to take it. I'm sorry. No, take it. It's absolutely fine. No, that's fine. I'm going to message you right after I'm done with it. Uh, Nick, I'm sorry about this, though. No, no problem. That's no, cool, man. It's cool. Do, man. Okay, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. In a bit. Cheers, mate. What we could do is maybe just do the scores and then... Just get them emailed in. I don't know. I do, but uh, I was going to just suggest that actually, but um, he's got to take his call. So yeah, we don't. I don't want like the thing is it, we don't want him to feel that pressure on his work or to come back to us. Like yeah, you know, work work has to come first at the end of the day. That's you know exactly. your bread and butter at the end of the day. Like any sports news today? The Tottenham win. Uh, Tottenham three all, wasn't it? Leicester lost. Did they? But then, but they've obviously already qualified and. They left a few players at home because they're obviously flying out to Ukraine. So, Kasper Schmeichel didn't travel. Johnny Evans, Jamie Vardy, 
Uh, Tillemans. None of them travelled with the squad. Zoria Luhans. Yes. Are they definitely qualifying for the next round? Yeah, yeah. We're just resting our players. But, so it was just about topping the group. I've not been following Leicester's Europa League. Exploits. <clears throat> but we've had a few players come back, but the problem is what... Soyuncu back, Ricardo Pereira, and Ndidi. Yeah, they all come back, but now Soyuncu got injured in the in the bloody game. Ten minutes in, did he? Yeah, he's done his groin again. So I think they brought him back too early, which is a bit stupid. Who's last his last game against in the group? <clears throat> Um, Athens, AK Athens in at home. Oh yeah, so you win that, you win the group. It's a yeah, it's a bit annoying though because if they won today, then really they could have played all the sixteen-year-olds and just got them in for the last game. But mm. what can you do? Yeah, it, I, I, he's I quite went... frustrating, Brendan Rogers. Is he? Yeah, he, Brendan Rogers frustrates me from time to time with some of his. Uh, Decision making, but you know, I shouldn't complain too much. I um, I obviously would have. I would have taken a draw as long as it wasn't a goalless draw. No, no, actually, no goalless draw. Would be, I would have taken a draw for Chelsea at Seville because uh. we just needed to draw, and then we play Krasnodar at home, and if we beat Krasnodar, we win the group, and so I was fine with that. But I never saw us winning 4 0 and literally never having to get out of second gear in Seville. Um, mm. I was really impressed with that. So now we can we can lose to Krasnodar and still finish top. Hopefully, we just yeah. have a proper rested team against them. I would have been. Li- oh, he's gone. Mm. I just realised he's gone. I think the best thing to do, guys, probably just carry on and just say our guest had to go prematurely, but we thank him for his time. Um, we will try and get you, obviously, his predictions in later that's, on. That's kind of what I want to do, but I don't want to seem like a dick if he was like... I, want, I, want, I, I wanted to quickly say, um, honestly, it's fine. We've got you for the Big Ten stuff. We'll just send me in your scores and we'll finish off the rest of the non-Big Ten games. But yeah, but he then kind of said, "I'll speak to you guys in a bit," and then went. I don't really want to kind of go. He comes back, and I go, "Oh, we finished the show. Don't worry." Um, well, okay. Um, I know what you mean. I I wanted to do it that way, the way you suggested. Um, why don't you drop him like a message on IG or something? You might. You might just be a bit. Yeah. Right. Maybe just maybe just wait about wait a few minutes, just because he might be a bit caught with something really important at work and last thing you want to do is just frustrate me. I know if it was me at work and someone was messaging me, I'd be like, you know, yeah, maybe. Like, like, fuck off. <laughs> kind of thing. I'd, I'd, that's what I'd be yeah. like anyway. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking because obviously he's taking time out of the schedule to talk to ours and I don't, and like, it could be if we, because we probably overran because we ended up oh, yeah, yeah. a bit because like, him and Nick were having therapy for 20 minutes about Nebraska at the start of the pod. So, well, uh, I, have to, I have to do that because 
I get no sympathy from you guys. <laughs> I just I remember get... you give me sympathy when Clemson lost to Notre Dame, Nick. <laughs> no, but you like never lose, so it's like when Liverpool lose, it's like ah, <laughs> you lost one game, you shit, like all of us, and then. In reality, they're not. They just lost one game. I've messaged him, by the way, without suggesting. Yeah. What he comes back and says. I'm just chilling out. Oh, that's probably not a flat train angle. Just trying to lie down on the bloody sofa and watch some telly. Yeah. <laughs> While I'm talking to you. See yeah, my I ran downstairs and, and had a little sensor top. And then I was like, <laughs> actually, screw it. I might as well grab cigarettes while I'm down there. Fair play. Yeah, that's my my bad habit. Oh mine's well, put, mine's putting my hair in my ears, but I've just cut my hair, so hi. <laughs> Had it trimmed, nice. Well, it oh, it, it was it they're, was, ro- they're open now, aren't they? But yeah, it was doing something. But like, I'm wearing a hat. Once I put a hat on, it's it's game over. Really. Oh. That reminds me, I've got to take my boys on Sunday to the barbers, but. He's got football back as well. So he's got a game on Sunday straight away. So they, after four weeks off, they've got training on Saturday and then a match on Sunday. It's like, how little time have you got to prepare for a game? I know they're just kids, but mm. it's like, come on, man. What position does Kiroot play again? So he plays up front or as a winger. But funny enough, when he first started, um, so he's only been with his club for a year, he went in there with his goalkeeper top, goalkeeper gloves, and he's like, I want to be a goalkeeper. And he started playing in goal, did decent. And then they put him on pitch just because they wanted to do a bit of a rotation. And then within five minutes, he just comes up to me and he went, he is not going in goal again. And I was like, why? What's he done wrong? They're like, he's too fast. I need him up front or on the wing because he literally just runs past everyone and just creates chances and I was like fair enough and then they had one friendly match before the March lockdown mm-hmm. and they beat this team 8-0 and he scored like five goals <laughs> and one of, one of the goals it was a throw into the opposition on near the corner flag so they were attacking in half mm-hmm. they threw the ball um, he intercepted it and literally just ran Picked it up. His end of the pitch, his end of the pitch, literally ran all the way to the other and just walked it into the net, and it was just so embarrassing for the other team. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so right, yeah, I should, I should get an earring like this, like proper. You really should, it, mate. Looks good. <laughs> Are those your Nebraska shoes? Yeah, it's a really weird box. Like the way it opens, it's like. They're quite nice. They are nice, yeah. You can get them from other teams, you know. Like, it's not just Nebraska. Yeah, I was looking for uh, Bucks and uh, Ducks stuff, but nothing. The Ducks ones were a bit rubbish, to be honest. They have the uh, Ducks Ultra Boosts. I'm not sure what they were called. I'd love to get them. Not in the green colour, you know, the... um, What's the yellow colour? They do do a colour. Is it yellow? Ooh, they do a Washington Huskies, they do a Texas A&M, they do a Indiana Hoosiers, a Kansas Jayhawks, 
Arizona State, I've seen Miami, the Miami yeah. Hurricanes, Louisville Cardinals, and Manchester United. Well, yeah, there's no, they're really random teams. Ooh, the Husky yeah. ones are nice. They're purple, but with like, this is gold. That's it nice. seems you probably have their jerseys on by Adidas as well. Oh, yeah. shit, that's it. Yeah, that. Not <laughs> all Clemson's gear, Nike. Uh, that'll be why you know that makes sense I didn't realise that Jordan had started um, doing jerseys mm. yeah they do North Carolina don't they because of um, yeah Michael Jordan the Michael yeah I love that on the inside as well it says go big red that's sick you, you can take these off you know they're just velcro like, so when, when Nebraska inevitably lose each week, you can just peel it off and they'll just be nice red trainers. You yeah, because I'll keep them off permanently then. I hope, I hope Nebraska turn it around one day next year. I really do. Yeah, to be fair, I do root for them when I watch, when I watch them. Yeah, I do, I root for Nebraska. I yeah, root, yeah. I root for an underdog. Like, I, most of my yeah. team, my sports teams, I pick them when they are underdogs. Like, I, I never, I, I don't like, I don't go in straight for glory. Like, Clemson were not glory when I first got into them. I'm a West Ham fan. I can't ever say I'm looking for glory. When I first got into the Raiders, um, like properly got into the Raiders, it was the Jamarcus Russell era. We weren't a good team. Nah. I'm a Sacramento Kings fan in basketball. Not a good team. Um, and the, I follow the A's in baseball just because purely we shared, they shared the stadium. So... I wouldn't want to go in straight away. Go. I, I wouldn't want to get into college football now and be like, right, I'm a Bama fan. No. Huge thank you to Connor from Corn Craze. Fantastic guest. He's had to run because, as we said, he's very gratefully, um, very gratefully joined us in the middle of his very busy workday over in LA to talk college football. Um, so he's given a as he said we've gone through six games already um, four games to go he is going to send in his scores so he can still do the scores on the doors and uh, still see who's going to win this week so he will give us his predictions for the other four games um, we'll see if we can tweet them out this week that'll be good um, Texas A&M uh, we just spoke about the winners of the uh, Iron Bowl in Alabama now time to talk about the losers Auburn, uh, they host the number five team in college football, Texas A&M. Uh, Tristan, we'll start with you. Um, any chance Auburn bounce back from this loss to Bama by beating the number five team in the nation? No, I think it'll be a closer game than people think. I've said that a few times this pod. I think it depends on which Bo Nix turns up. Is it the one that spreads the ball well to all his receivers? Or is it the one that stirs Seth Williams down and makes Auburn too predictable? I think Texas A&M have a very good defence. Their defence will clinch this in the end. Close nail-biter of a game. But I think Isaiah Spiller will just be able to pound the ball quite well. I've got this Texas A&M 31, Auburn 27. Yeah, I mean... So I'll start with my score prediction work back. I've got this as a 38-28 game um, in favour of Texas A&M. 
Um, Auburn will want to come back. And putting up points, like 28 points for them is not, is not unheard of at all. Um, they've been able to put up a decent level of points this season. Um, and they'll want to come back from that Bama loss with a bit of bite. But they're not, they're not, a good, they're not as good as Texas A&M. That's quite obvious. Um, Texas A&M, obviously, they, they've got many. They, they, can, they can beat you by passing. If the passing's not working, they can beat you by running. Um, Spiller looks great. Definitely going to be in the NFL one day. And yeah, Bo Nix really kind of... Some people had some questions over him last season, but he is young. And there's even more questions about him now, if, to be honest. Like, you know, is he the guy that people thought he would be in his freshman season? But, yeah, 10-point win for A&M for me, 38-28. Suk? Um, I've got this down at 33-20 to Texas A&M. I, I don't see Auburn scoring too many. I know you guys think, you know, that they might. I just see it being... Um, just a game in which they're not going to be confident. Obviously, they took a bit of a... I mean, they held themselves okay against Alabama, I guess, given the circumstances. But no, I just see how to see A&M um, winning this, to be honest. Fair enough. That's fair enough. I, I, did either of you see it? So there was definitely a, an analyst of some sort quoted saying he thinks Texas A&M and Florida are better than Ohio State. Um, I don't know who it is who said it, and it's going to bug me, but I saw it today. Um, it was like on Instagram or something like that. But speaking of Florida, they're up again um, on the road at the Tennessee Volunteers, who have uh, volunteered to be terrible this season. Um, Souk will kind of go like a reverse situation here. Yep. Is this going to be a another another a Kyle Trask edging towards a, a Heisman nod? Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, Florida. To be fair to them, I, I expected a lot better from them on offense the last two games. I mean, they've only scored thirty-four and thirty-eight points respectively. Now, I know that's still good, but um, I expect a lot better against teams like Vanderbilt and Kentucky. But I think I'm going to give them the edge and think they're going to get more points this time. So I'm going to go for 45-16. Um, I think, yeah, Traska is going to have a a monster game. Uh, Pitts as well. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be they'll be firing on all cylinders. Don't have any sort of faith in uh, Tennessee this year. Yeah, this season, Tennessee, what are they like? like they won two games? Is it two and... Yeah, they're two and five. They are two, two and five. five. Yeah, and, and who's the two teams they beat? Are they any good? Uh, no, I don't think they are. They beat, they beat Missouri. They beat Missouri. They beat a decent team. Who was it? Oh, they they won their first two games, South Carolina and Missouri, and then they've lost five straight. Mm. I can't put much stock in either of those wins. No, and their last two games are Florida and Texas A and M. So it's going to be a sorry season for uh, Peyton Manning's alma mater. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I've last week I went for Florida putting up a ton of points because you know I I went for them. Uh, I went for them scoring loads of points on Vanderbilt and they didn't. 
So then I was like, right, okay, I have to give them a huge glut of points against Kentucky. And they didn't do that. It was 34-10. So, yeah. What's up, Florida? Like, I can't, I can't nail you down. But I am going to go more conservative and say, like, 35. 35-4. Um, I've got the volunteers to, to keep it competitive, maybe at one point in the game. I mean, they only beat Vanderbilt by an extra field goal. If I if that if my score is to be correct, so thirty five seventeen. Again, at least three passing touchdowns from Trask, uh, for sure. Um, Tristan, um, I have a bit more faith in Florida than you do. Tennessee look awful against the pass. They allow the stats won't show quite so much because they don't play. They've not played many real pass heavy teams when they do they give up a lot of points they they i think they average passing yards allowed somewhere between 240 to 260 a game which doesn't seem a lot but when it's the bigger teams with the better passing offenses they do seem to you know to give up a little bit more i don't trust garantano as a quarterback he just throws a few too many picks bad decision making I, I've got this being a bit more of a statement win than you do, Nick. I think it's, you know, Trask on his way to cementing being a Heisman finalist. I've got this 45-13. I, I just think Florida are too good. I think Tennessee won't be able to keep up. Both going there big time. Uh, second to last game, West Virginia. Mountain Bomber? No. West Virginia at Iowa State. Um... Iowa State obviously off the back of a huge win over Texas, looking good. But the the, the line is not as big as you think it might be. Because West Virginia are actually a pretty decent team. But that being said, does anybody go against the Cyclones here? No, not me personally. The West Virginia for me are that they're inconsistent. Though I know you're saying they're a good team, but some of the results, if you look at them, they've kind of been up and down and. You know, one, they're a bit of you don't know what you're going to get out of them, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. in any given week. So, if you're telling me that West Virginia has a chance to win, I wouldn't actually be surprised. But I've got Iowa winning this by eight points. I'm going for 28 20 to Iowa mm-hmm. State. That's a good prediction. I like that. Yeah. Can you think of a more, for want of a better word, erratic is a fairer one, bipolar is one I almost wanted to say. Uh, a team in West Virginia because literally like they smashed Eastern Kentucky then got beat by two touchdowns by Oklahoma State then won an overtime against Baylor and beat Kansas fairly convincingly lost to Texas Tech thumped Kansas State lost to Texas beat TCU like this doesn't seem to be like any rhythm to their play I think they're a better team they're a better than average team um, because you know TCU uh, TCU and are not are, are, that's possibly the most impressive win because TCU are a decent side. TCU will finish the season as one of the best teams that are not ranked. Um, they're, they're also another team though, a bit like West Virginia. I mean, they've got a three and four record. It's like you just don't know what you're going to get out of both of those uh, teams um, hmm. for me. So I wouldn't be surprised either way what happens. 
28 20 yeah that's the kind of score that i want to go with so i'm i'm, I'm uh, west virginia let's have a look the, the, uh, i'm going to go 17 7 24 17 i can't it's it's, it's going to be something like that you know i don't see them blowing them out so i'm just going to go touchdown game um tristan I don't like West Virginia as much as you guys do. I just, I just, I don't see it. I don't see where they keep up. I don't see where they're better. I don't see that any side of the ball there a step close. Um, honestly, they are a great team. That you know, they beat Texas. That's a big win. I think they're wide high off that. Spoiling senior day for Sam Ellinger, last game he plays in Texas. That's you know. That's golden. I think they can ride high off that. Uh, I've got this 35-21. I think Iowa State win comfortably. Um, I just, I don't see where they're, I just, I don't see enough in West Virginia where they can keep up. I just, I don't know. I know their defense has been quite stingy at times, but it's, I hate the Big 12. It's just, it's a horrible conference to ever predict in because their entire conference this year has been so up and down. Like Oklahoma started poorly, they're coming along. Oklahoma State, one week looked great, next week looked horrible. Texas don't know if they're a good team or not. Um, and that's the last week. There's a lot of questions around Texas. You can believe some people that a certain Fox analyst's wife has been looking at real estate in the area. Um, and he may make a swan song back into college football coaching. Um, but that's all just rumours, I think. Yeah, I, I don't see anything great about the uh, Big 12 at all. And I just think I would set the better team. I had a message during this, um, during this recording from Tristan to say, campaign to make the last game BYU at Coastal Carolina. Um, I agree. Well, the people have spoken. two nine and teams. The people have, spoken. people have spoken. So, right. You wanted it, Tristan. We'll give you BYU at Coastal Carolina. And for, for that, you've got to go first. Which way are you, which way are you siding? This, this is one of those ones where I want to side one way. I really do. There's, there's one way that my, my gut, my heart, Everything I hold dearly wants to decide, but it's not the sensible way to decide. And being a little bit behind in the scores and doors predictions, a bit like I said last week, that I bet, bet safe with Notre Dame against UNC, even though part of me wanted to say UNC was going to win the game. I'm a bit the same this week. These are two very, very good teams, but there's one team here that I just think is a class above, you know, with the quality of teams they've played. So they're both 9-0, but one team's schedule is a lot better than the other. And I think one team's quarterback is just a bit better than the other. I don't think there's a lot in it, but I think it is. And I'm writing my score down now, just as... Right, sorry. I'm trying to... Again, not picking this straight away. Um, I hadn't written a score, hadn't thought about it. I'm going to go with my head here. I say BYU win this 45 to 38. 
but everything else in me wants to back Coastal Carolina. The fairy tale season of a small school going nine and zero, and you know this was meant to be Coastal Carolina Liberty, and then Liberty got Corona, got a, had an outbreak of coronavirus, and BYU stepping up at the last minute to save the weekend because college game day are at Coastal Carolina, and. I think BYU also, their only ranked win this year is Boise State. That's their only ranked win. And I think BYU were willing to play this game because it may not be the best ranked team. It's the second ranked team to put on their schedule. And they're trying to make that case for in and around the playoff. And I think they win this game. Oh, sorry, did you say my name, Nick? I did say, yeah. Oh, sorry, the, it just went a bit quiet there. All I heard was, ook, and I thought, what, what the hell is Nick saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got it. Yeah, part of me wants Coastal Carolina to win just because I love their uniforms, to be honest. Um, absolutely fall in love with that, with that colour, but... Yeah, BYU, Zach Wilson's going to be on it. You know, he's another player who's had a very, very, um, you know, good season. I think it will be 38-31. I, I would like to first and finish this off by paying homage to Coastal Carolina and giving them in ridiculous amounts of credit for taking this game on because they could have rode off into the sunset with their, you know, sort of storybook ending unbeaten season, which would be remembered forever. And if they, they've taken on a challenge against BYU, another unbeaten team, if they lose this game now, There'll never be the talk. Obviously, there'll be talks about this season, but it'll never be the famous unbeat, like you know, unbeaten Coastal Carolina team. They can't, they can't uh, sort of market that. You know, in twenty years' time, when the team comes back together and they do like a a meet and greet and an autograph signing and stuff, putting you know the unbeaten Coastal Carolina team of twenty twenty. You know, what I mean, the whole the whole shebang of what they'd make of it they've put that all on the line for a, in, a, in a game against BYU to have this college game day which they've deserved and so they deserve huge credit huge huge credit I want them so badly to win this game I really do I think college football want that I think college football fans everywhere want Coastal Carolina to win They're, they've become everyone's second favourite team this year like, I've watched more Coastal Carolina this year than I ever expected to. Yeah, too right. But I think we've hit the nail on the head. You're looking for the difference maker. And there's no way that we can, we can kind of say anything but back the one thing that we believe that we can trust in. And that's Zach Wilson. There's, we have no reason this season 
happen to go against Zach Wilson in any single game he's played. He's been impeccable. He's been one of the most reliable quarterbacks. Uh, he's been one of the stock. I mean, his stock. He's his stock has risen more than any other quarterback in in the country this year. Hundred percent, easily. Um, and why why would we why would we write this ending to his be potentially his BYU career with a loss on the road at Coastal Carolina? So. I'm 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 gonna go thirty-eight twenty-seven BYU. Open up a little bit more of a point gap, which I could do with hopefully swinging my way if we did a uh when we work out the points at the end. But yeah, credit to Coastal Carolina, they deserve every bit of praise that they get, even more so for taking on this game last minute. But BYU are just gonna have too much for them. And more specifically, Zach Wilson's gonna have too much for them. Imagine this as a fairy tale, right? So looking at Coastal Carolina's schedule now. So say they beat BYU. Say they beat BYU. They play Troy the next week. They should beat Troy. They would go into their season finale against the currently ranked Raging Cajuns team. Oh, do they play? If they were to go undefeated, beat BYU and still win out, what calls could people make for Coastal Carolina not just being a top 10 team, but sniffing around the playoff? They would have three ranked wins, I believe, wouldn't they? Would it be three ranked wins? No, it'd be only the two, actually. It'd be two ranked wins. I thought someone else in their schedule might have been ranked, but they're not. Because um, that, that would be... Louisiana would be, I believe it would be, that would be their conference title game and it would be a rematch for Louisiana because Louisiana have already lost to, um, to Coastal Carolina. So yeah, mm. it would be two wins against a ranked Louisiana and a win against a ranked BYU. How about that for a story? It's an incredible story. It's probably all just the same story. Um, yeah, a fable. It's a fairy tale, though. Yeah, yeah, but it's. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um. Right, gents. There we go. Um, a long episode of scores on the doors today, but we've got. Hopefully, everyone had has the time on a Saturday morning, ladies and gents. Thanks very much for listening. Um, who's going to be right? Who's going to be wrong? Who's going to come up with the most points this week? We'll find out. Uh, want to say a huge thanks to Connor from Corn Craze for joining us uh, for the majority of this. Um, he has a great insight into the Big Ten, better than any of us. Um, I really appreciate him spending some time with us uh, in the middle of his LA day. Um, and yeah, thanks for joining us, ladies and gents. Good luck to your team this week. Hope they pick up that all-important win as they push towards, whether it's trying to pick up a consolation win or they need that victory to kind of secure a ball game. Good luck. Take care. Stay safe and have a great week. See you later, guys. Adios, guys. Bye.